0: Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from LivingBreely.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives from money to relationships to careers to entrepreneurship and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. welcome back. I should move this. You guys were just, I feel like it's going to be a forever ongoing playing with my microphone setup at the beginning of every episode. You know, it is what it is. My dog is currently sitting in front of me because I was just eating pretzels, and he also enjoys a pretzel every now and again, and now he's just sitting in front of me staring at me. As I record this, does anyone else's dog do that? Like, they're not begging, but they're like, you know, it wouldn't hurt if you just dropped a pretzel. I may or may not eat it. So, this podcast, I, we actually, Danielle Ryan and I actually recorded this in November. And it was right before Thanksgiving, obviously. She's Canadian. And I was like, oh, like, do you have Thanksgiving plans? Um, duh, brie. Canadians have a different Thanksgiving. I, I just, in the beginning of this episode, I'm a little self-conscious because I actually sound like one of those dumb Americans who's like, oh, I didn't know you guys also had holidays, like Thanksgiving. It's just, I cringed listening to this episode in the beginning. Danielle's really great. She's awesome. I absolutely adore her. We connected pretty quickly um she actually we she actually messaged me on facebook and yeah we kind of just started a conversation from there and that's kind of how the whole situation got set up um but she is a mindset coach and mobile yoga instructor which i think is so cool so she actually goes to people's houses um where she lives in canada and she does yoga, she does meditation, and she also does private coaching. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like in America, usually you go to like a yoga studio or you go to like your gym and they have yoga classes. But I love the idea. If Danielle was in Southern California, I'd be like, yo, come to my house every morning and do yoga with me because that sounds really cool. Um, Very... Like I just think it's a really interesting. I, like I, t- I said in the interview, I think that it's very innovative, um, and I'm sure people here in America do it too. I just like have never really looked into it, and I never I've never known anyone who does it. Um, but Danielle's really cool. She also has the same kind of story that I do as far as working a job that was just super unfulfilling. And wanting to get out of it, but not really sure what she was going to do. And then the whole conversation totally took a pivot. And we started actually talking about the differences between millennials in the workplace and anyone who's not a millennial. I don't know what they're called. Are they like baby boomers, Gen Xers? I forget. I don't know these terms. Maybe I should have done some research. I don't know. But we specifically talk about what it's like to be a millennial in the workplace and just some of those frustrations and how we really feel that millennials are actually going to make a huge impact come 2019, come 2020, come 2021, 2022, like just in the next I would say 5 to 10 years of how the workplace is changing. I was actually reading I'm still reading the book Thrive by Ariana Huffington. I had to set it down cuz I like got Cut up reading this other book called Dare by Barry Mon Barry Mon I forget his last name. It's an amazing book about anxiety. I'll link it in the description below. But I'm still reading Ariana Huffington's book Thrive and she talks about how at Huffington Post, which is the is the Huffington Post that she built, she created, they had like nap rooms and they have meditation rooms and they have all of these different things in their offices that actually support the livelihood of their employees. This is actually unheard of. In <laughs> If you ask, like, someone my dad's age, he's 60, about what he would think about nap rooms and meditation rooms and, like, having fridge a fridge full of snacks and all of these things, he would laugh, like he would be like, that's just your babying, you know, your employees, blah, 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 blah. But it actually has become such a, I think, a vital thing to for for millennials in the workplace to really feel nurtured and to feel supported in the workplace. And so things are definitely changing. And Danielle and I touch on that uh, for pretty much the entire episode. And even though the conversation pivoted, like I said, I thought that it actually the whole conversation was just really, it is just really, really good. And this is how I like to do my podcast episodes. In the beginning, I was like super structured. I wanted everything to like be outlined before we like sat down. And then I kind of like tried to do it with no outline and then I felt like lost. And then I, f- and then I, you know, kind of changed it a little bit to like where there was a loose outline. And that's where I'm at right now where there's like a loose outline, but I'm like, you know, if something comes up that like is actually much better than what we discussed, like, let's just go for it. And so I feel like these natural, organic, ad hoc type of conversations are the best podcast episodes that I do because it's like a true conversation and for me I like listening to other people's conversations because I think it's a it's becoming a lost art with texting and messaging and all of that so Danielle is awesome she's so cool I've linked all of her all of her episode (laughs) all of her um social media and website links in the episode description. She also has a podcast, which I will be on, I think she said either January or February. It's called Adulting 101, and it's a weekly workshop style podcast um, that she launched back in 2017. And it's more, it serves more of a source of motivation guidance and a step-by-step and introduction instruction instruction I can't speak tonight sorry guys on how to navigate the world of adult adulthood so that is also going to be linked in the episode description she has a group coaching program that is starting on January 1st and it's a group style coaching which I actually prefer group style coaching I just think women in general learn better in groups I don't know if anyone else feels that way but I do (laughs) Um, and so Danielle has actually given us a promo code. Um, so if you use the code LivingBreeley at checkout, if you're interested in doing her group coaching, which is actually very, very affordable, which I think is great. Um, she also does one-on-one private coaching if group coaching isn't your thing. But yeah, if you're interested, that link is going to be down below. And then just use the promo code LivingBreeley and you'll get a discount. So yeah, that's all that I've got for you guys. The holiday schedule is going to be a little bit weird um, because my podcast episodes usually come out on Mondays and Fridays, but New Year's Eve is actually on a Monday. So um, the guest for that for Christmas week is actually... Her episode's going to come out on the 27th, which is going to be part one, and then she's going to come back on January 1st for part two, and it's all about health and diets and giving up that, like, guilt of, like, holiday binging. I, like, from Halloween to January 1st, I get a little bit, (laughs) a little bit as conservative. I go a little crazy with the sweets. I'm not a huge sweet person, I'm more of a savory girl, like I like bacon, I like like savory type of meals, um, but sweets during Halloween, during Thanksgiving, during Christmas, like, oh, it gets the best of me. And uh, the guest, she has a really great, interesting perspective um, on, on health related things. So if you're the type of person who's like feeling a little bit guilty, maybe your jeans don't fit as nice. After the holidays, this is these are the episodes that you really, really want to tune into, and those will be coming out December 27th and January 1st, and I'll have my last episode of 2019 on December 28th, and yeah, and then going forward, all the episodes... Um, interviews are going to be coming out on Tuesdays instead of Mondays. And then we'll still have the mindset tip shift trick, whatever you want to call it on Fridays. So yeah, that's all I've got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next. Oh, on Friday. Just kidding.
1: Good, thanks. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I was going to say happy early Thanksgiving or like ask you what your Thanksgiving plans were, but Danielle's actually in Canada. So, yes, (laughs) I am. (laughs) You guys have your
1: own kind of Thanksgiving, though, right? It's not kind of, it's a real deal. Yeah, we do. Our Thanksgiving is about a month before yours, though. So, it's the second Sunday of October every year. And what is it called? (laughs) Thanksgiving. Oh, it's called it's like Canadian Thanksgiving? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's But I I feel like it's not as big of a production as it seems in the States. Like we still all get together with our family and like cook a turkey and have a big dinner, but there's no like football game that we all sit around watching and no like crazy Black Friday sales or anything like that. It's just like another excuse to eat a big meal together.
0: (laughs) Do you guys get the day off?
1: Yeah, so we have, like, the holiday Monday every year.
0: Oh, my God. That's – well, I mean, okay, my family doesn't watch the, like – that's so funny that you brought up football because, like, not every family, like, watches that game (laughs) – but no there's like the Macy's Thanksgiving parade there's the football game there's the Black Friday sales like it is a very I mean America just kind of like overdoes it in every <laughs> sense
1: of the word every holiday you might Every as well.
0: holiday I mean we could even say with politics so it's like a little bit like overwhelming yeah. <laughs> um, but fair. yeah I we my family's pretty low key like we just get together and like eat and hang out and usually watch a movie or something. So, yeah. Um, so it'd be very similar. That's what ours is like. Okay, good. I was like, I feel dumb. I went to a, a high school with a girl who was Canadian, and I think I remember her saying kind of the same thing, but I couldn't remember like the exact. Like I was like, do they call it Thanksgiving? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> something else. <laughs> so why don't it's you fine, tell it's fine. everyone a little bit more about what you do?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Danielle. Obviously we've established that. I am a mindset coach and a private yoga instructor. So I run a mobile wellness studio where I curate private yoga classes, guided meditations, and um, mindset courses in people's homes. And then I also do it through the internet, which has provided me the opportunity to connect with tons of amazing women such as yourself, And then another component of my business is that I also host a podcast, which I guess seems super mainstream nowadays, but I started mine about a year and a half ago when I was still working full-time, essentially just as like a how-to guidebook for millennials to figure out how to be an adult. And then it kind of just spiraled from there and turned into a full-blown business.
0: Oh, wow. So a couple of things. One, I think it's really cool that you do like a mobile wellness business because I think that's just really innovative. Like I think it adds like a special component to your business where it's not just online, but like you're actually able to travel to people's homes and do that. So that's really cool. And yeah, we were right. Podcasting is becoming super mainstream. I feel like it's kind of like the new blog. Like everyone used to have a blog and like everyone kind of has a podcast. Um, But I think that there is a way to like kind of assert yourself as like to like really promote your podcast in like different ways. At least that's what I'm kind of like experimenting with now is like different ways of actually like maybe elevating the podcast a bit more.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's just a fun medium. I find it's, in my opinion, I find it even more accessible almost than starting a blog in terms of like how easy it is. Like to get initially started. I feel like people have this idea that podcasts are like this big scary thing, but in all reality it's pretty much you could just record like a voice note on your computer even if you didn't have a microphone and post it on the internet and call it a podcast
0: no really I mean when I first started I well I'm still starting like I still feel really new at this like I just used my gym headphones like the ones that they give you like when you get a new iPhone and like the sound quality was terrible and then after I like really began getting into it. Like I was like, oh, this is something that I see being long term. Like I decided to invest in like a whole setup kind of thing. Um, But no, it's super easy. I had someone ask me if I go to like a radio station to record. Like they didn't understand like the whole podcasting thing. They're like, oh, do you go to like a radio station? I was like. No.
1: (laughs) Hilarious. When I actually started my podcast, like I said, I was still working full-time. I used to sit in my car in the parking lot during lunch and like record it on my laptop in my car.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have to do what you have to do. I think that that's like, I heard someone else say that they knew that it was time to quit their full-time job when they were like working on their breaks and their lunch breaks. And like, that became more important to them and they were just like filling that like one or two hour hour, hour and a half that they had of their break in into their business. And they were like, then it became like I was responding to emails and texts and calls like while it was on the clock. And I just they were like, I decided that that was the time that I needed to to walk away.
1: I gotta draw the line somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell us
0: a little bit about how you got into mindset coaching
1: and yoga as well? Absolutely. So um, like I mentioned, about six months ago, maybe a little bit longer now, I was working my full-time job as an administrative assistant. Um, So it was like your typical nine to five. Um, And the position that I was in wasn't really affording me the opportunity to move around like I had wanted and to advance my career in the way I had initially envisioned, And so I was running this podcast on the side. I had a blog, an Instagram account, and eventually it just came to a point in time where I was driving to work one day, thinking to myself about how miserable I was that I had to go to work. And then also thinking to myself that like, if I weren't going to make a change in my life right now, this was going to be my reality for the next 40 years. Basically, I would work my nine to five until I was old enough to retire, collect my pension and call it a day. And to me, that was the absolute scariest thing that I could possibly do for myself just because I had this inkling that I was meant for something so much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, um, I sort of toyed with the idea of leaving my job, but I was sort of living in this place of fear and I never fully committed to doing it. It was kind of just like, oh, well, maybe one day I'll quit my job. And then on my 26th birthday, my boyfriend and I were sitting on a tour bus. We were doing like a brewery tour sort of um, thing for my birthday. Anyway, I'm literally sitting on the bus on my phone and I look at him and I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm booking my yoga teacher training and I'm quitting my job. And like from my phone on that bus, I booked my flights, registered for the training, went to work the next week, handed in my notice. I gave them like a month. Worked until the end of May and then June first, I left my corporate job, traveled to Portugal, got my yoga teacher training and started my business on the first of July. Oh my God. I we didn't discuss any of this
0: in in our pre-interview. Okay. No, but that's amazing. That's such a big I think everyone has had that moment, like where they're driving to work and they're just like the recognition of how miserable they are happens.
1: Like, why am I doing this? I remember just every day I would come home and complain about like, oh my God, I have to go to work or whatever. And it was like, why am I doing this to myself when I'm watching all these other women on the internet fricking kill it? If they can do it, why can't I? So. Yeah. No, I, I had the experience
0: of, I would literally drive to work with a plastic bag in the driver's seat and the passenger seat because I thought I was gonna throw up because I was just so anxious and so stre- like stressed out and overwhelmed and just like I was a wreck of a human being at that at that so moment.
1: awful but it just like it becomes so normal and I feel like there's this pressure around us to have a secure job and just like follow the plan of X Y Z this is the way that all the generations have been doing it for years that no one even considers the concept of like entrepreneurship or doing your own thing because it's just so not quote unquote normal.
0: Yeah. So I'm interested. So how did you see other women running these businesses and like kicking ass at it? Like, were you involved in like a Facebook group? Was it someone that you knew?
1: Yeah. So essentially, um, because I, had been running this like blog and podcast with like motivational content. I had joined all of these like blogging Facebook groups and like different entrepreneurship ones. Like honestly, at this point, I don't even remember how I ended up there, but by some force larger than myself, I ended up in these like entrepreneurship Facebook groups where I met all these online coaches and was introduced to the coaching industry basically from there. And that's when I started to think like, hmm, maybe there's more to life than just doing this job that I absolutely hate. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's so interesting because I did not have that experience until like much later. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I didn't know anyone who was in the online space. I didn't no, like my mindset around entrepreneurship was like very brick and mortar. Like you have to like buy inventory and like get like small business loans. And like, it's a big deal to like start your own business. I had no idea that like online businesses existed at all. And so
1: So, go ahead. Just Just to backtrack a bit. So I had actually entered a contest in the town that I live in. They were offering free rent in a space for a year for a small business. And so the idea of my business actually started as like a physical yoga studio prior to the time where I decided to quit my job. And so I think for me being introduced to the online space came out of the um, situation that I didn't win that contest. So I was like, well, now I don't have a space for a yoga studio. So how can i still make this happen
0: interesting yeah i'm so curious about like how people get the ideas like where that like birthplace like originates from cuz we have similar kind of like alignment stories here like i also started a blog but i quit my job and then started a blog and my intent was always to go back and get another 9 to 5 job but then as I was continuing to blog and like continuing to like grow an audience and I was like, oh, like people are actually like responding to my content and I'm getting emails, like there's something like some traction and just like, that's what piqued my curiosity. And then from there I started joining like blogging Facebooks, like more for engage- Facebook groups, like more for engagement. Yeah. And then that's when I started realizing like, oh, people actually do this for a full-time job. And so that's kind of like what sparked everything, I guess, and put it all in motion. But like my blog is still, I would say like the catalyst and then everything else is just like extensions of my blog, like the podcast and the coaching and the
1: courses. All just come from that. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love that so much. I love that you like, because I feel like now there's also this idea that, ooh, I could make money if I started a blog. And so people go to it for that reason. So it's so interesting that you had the like complete opposite experience where you were like, "Ooh, this seems like fun." Wait, I can make money.
0: <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I think nowadays, especially like people, it's becoming more well known um, of people like starting blogs and like actually making money. And like when I first started the blog, I was like, "Oh, I can do ads on my website and do like affiliate links." But I quickly realized, like, okay, that's not going to be enough to like, even pay a bill. (laughs) Like it was like a nice stream of income, like it still is. But I was like, there has to like, I have to have, if I'm actually going to do this, like I have to go in and like, there has to be other streams of revenue that are actually going to like make money for me to like live (laughs) and survive. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of just been my experience. So tell us a little bit more about how you work with clients one-on-one.
1: Absolutely. So like I said before, I have Um, a few different streams. So I'll either work like physically in a person's home, offering them uh, curated yoga classes and guided meditations. But for the most part, I would say the majority of my income comes from the online coaching. So I work with mostly either people who are looking to start their own business or just other millennials who are feeling a sense of uncertainty or discontent with their current situation. So some of them are still working in their nine to five jobs um, and just providing them the tools to really tap into their deepest desires and understand what it is that they're so unhappy with and how they can go about changing that in their current situation. Why do you think
0: millennials are having all of these, I don't wanna say issues, but there's like this
1: disconnect I think that it comes from the fact that we were raised in a completely different world than the generation previous to us. We have access to the internet and to people that live literally anywhere in the world. And it just has sparked this new sense of curiosity within us. And so when we're put into, for example, a workplace that's very structured with the traditional values of the generation before us, um, it doesn't reflect this sense of curiosity and yearning that we have to, um, live a more flexible lifestyle, I guess. And so that's, at least in my experience, what I find the most common complaint that I get, even from like myself, when I work my nine to five and then my clients that I have now is just the rigid structure of the corporate world does not reflect the values of our generation. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. So when you talk about rigid values, like are you,
0: like what's an example of that?
1: I just think like, for example, I know in my job, at least a lot of the stuff that I was doing, I could have easily, for example, done from home, but I didn't have that flexibility to be able to still get my job done and do it from my house. Instead, I had to drive 40 minutes to get to an office to sit at a computer and do the exact same thing, Mm. which like I feel like our generation craves that adventure and that desire to have the sort of um like the autonomy autonomy exactly that's the word I'm looking for over our situation so like we are capable of doing these jobs that have been around for years and years but we want to be able to do it in our own way and sort of have that freedom of expression when it comes to our work
0: yeah so I actually just read a really inter and a couple of things, so I just read a really interesting article that talked about like larger i would say like medium to larger companies, maybe not so much conglomerates, are actually doing away with office space, really, because they realize that a lot of jobs can be done at home, so it 's less expensive. To actually provide computers and internet access to employees instead of having to pay rent on an office space.
1: I think that is such an amazing thing to hear that actually. Right.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what it's like in, in Canada, but here in Southern California, I know um, specifically in the places that I've traveled within Southern California. So like Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego, there is actually these, like, how do I explain that? I should have looked it up. Um, they're office spaces, but they're communal workspaces. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have those here. They're called like, we call them hubs or like collectives where you can just like bring your laptop and work with other people, but they're not necessarily like from the same company as you.
0: Exactly. So that's kind of becoming, I think, like a new standard, especially for like independent contractors or like business owners like us. Like I would love, I'm, I should actually like really look into, into going because sometimes I'm like, I need to get out of my house and I'll just like leave to just go get coffee yeah. for the sake of like being like, oh, this is my break. And I like that separation between work and my, like my personal space. Um, Absolutely, but yeah, I think that that's like a really. I when I read that article about them getting doing away with office space, I was like, "That's actually so good to hear." Because I just think I call them cubicle farms, <laughs> but um that cubicle space, like that rigid kind of mentality, for me that meant like my the two corporate jobs that I worked. One started at seven a.m. So, oh my did, god. So I had to, yeah, it was brutal. And it was a sales um, team. So a lot of the reason why it started so early was because they had a lot of clients on the East coast. And, but for me, I was a recruiter. So I was actually recruiting people within Southern California. So like when I got there at 7am, I was like, I'm not going to be calling people for interviews at 7am. Yeah. <laughs> no
1: like one's
0: awake. Exactly. <laughs> or they're like getting ready for their jobs. Like it's not really a good time to do it. So I really wouldn't start interviewing until like nine, ten o'clock, sometimes even like later in the day. So it never really made sense for me to be there so early, but I was really fortunate in that job that my boss, he was more of a, I forgot the exact term. It's like fail forward fast or something like that. Like he really believed in like, failing like he like wanted to you to fail so you would learn Interesting. um so he so I had I did have a lot more autonomy in that job however when I moved to working for a large financial institution that was like the complete opposite it was like very like eight to five lots of red tape like I couldn't email certain people like it was just such a mess like
1: Yeah. And that's what my job was like. I was in a union job. And so it was like, well, don't tell this person what to do because then you'll have to deal with this person. And it's just like, everyone stay in your box and don't do anything you're not supposed to. Yeah. Like I wasn't able to schedule interviews
0: with, um, like C-level executives so I wasn't allowed to like e- email them myself. Like I had to wait for my boss to email them and she would CC me on it. And I was like, why can't I just email them myself? Because then I was like, my boss had other things to do. So it wasn't on my timeline. It would take her like one or two days. And at that time, like I had a candidate like emailing me or calling me like, hey, when am I interviewing? And I'm like, oh, Sorry like what am I supposed to say to this person sorry my boss hasn't emailed the person you're interviewing like it was just such a a convoluted like chain of command almost that just didn't make sense to me I was like I'm quite capable of emailing an executive to ask them for their schedule
1: exactly and I think that that is sort of the issue that a lot of our generation is facing it's not so much like people the generation before us tends to think that we have an issue with authority, but I think that more so our issue is with these convoluted systems that aren't very efficient, but people tend to be so set in the mentality of, well, this is the way we've done it for years that us as millennials, we struggle with understanding, like, if there's a better way to do it, why don't we just do it that way instead?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think that the millennials get a really bad rep in the workplace, but I really think that we're just misunderstood.
1: I agree 100%. Because I think it's like totally on a tangent, but of what we had initially intended about talking about. But I feel like this is really important. <laughs> I'm glad you see this connection because I was literally just thinking the same thing. I was like, I've never talked about this
0: on the podcast. So this is awesome. But no, I think like from exactly to what you just said, if we see that there's an easier way to do it, why can't we just do it that
1: way? Exactly. And so, um, I know for me, that was one of my like big factors in deciding to just like do my own thing because I'm in full control of how my day-to-day business operates was that lack of autonomy that I was facing in the workplace.
0: Like for me (laughs) as a recruiter. So like the position, the financial institution that I worked at, um, we had like a set set of questions that we had to ask each candidate. And okay. so literally the exact same questions every single day. And if I wanted to change a question, it would like take weeks, if not months to get a change. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. It was like, why do you want to change the question? I was like, well, because sometimes it doesn't apply to the person or like it's already on the application they submitted I mean again like I think with financial institutions there's just a lot at risk so I think there's like a a lot of legality reasons that you have to ask certain questions or you can't ask certain questions which I understand but I also think it's like if you're trying to attract a certain candidate who requires a certain income level like you can't ask them certain questions because it's almost 100% redundant
1: oh it's just so frustrating I'm like yeah well I
0: think to <laughs> the other another study that I that I read was that um with work I hate when I do that thing with my tongue where I go like <laughs> um but another <laughs> thing is that that working like eight hours, eight or nine hours actually isn't pr- like productivity hours.
1: Yeah. I've actually read that like, I I, can't, I don't want to get quoted on this because it might be wrong, but it's something around like four hours is like the optimal time and it mm-hmm. needs to be broken like even smaller than that. So like working for say 30 minutes and then taking a five minute break yeah, um, actually will increase your productivity rather than just like sitting at your desk for eight hours. And I know that even for me now that I'm like on my own, I'll get up and work for like two or three hours in the morning. And then I'll take a break for two or three hours. And then I might work a little bit, take another break. And then I'll sit down at maybe 10 PM and hash out another two hours of work. But it's not like I get up at eight and I finish my work at four. And then my boyfriend comes home and we like enjoy our day together. Like that's not how it works anymore because I flow with like when I'm feeling most creative and when I have the energy to actually and the attention to actually sit down and get stuff done.
0: Yeah. Like for me, I can't, I'm like not a good producer in the morning. As far yeah. Which as like is totally work, fair. Which is as far as work goes, Like I'm productive in the mornings of like getting my stuff together. Like I'll like go work out, I'll go grocery shopping, I'll cook like my meals for like the rest of the week. Like I'm more productive with like personal things in the morning, but for, unless it's like someone can't do later afternoons for the majority of the time, like I don't start taking calls until like after 10 a.m.
1: Which I think is great. It's like honoring what works for you and not having to just conform to the hours that somebody else has set because that's what they decided business hours look like.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like 7 a.m. I mean, 7 at working, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. was actually kind of nice because you did get off work early. Mm-hmm. But it was like, for me, I would like continue to work when I came home. So it like was just such a mess. But yeah, I I I think they, the study that I was mentioning was saying that um, moving away from like a five-day work week to a four-day work week would actually increase productivity
1: which I could see as well I know even in my job like I don't know people at my work always complained about being super busy but like I feel like I said before we are a lot not to like sound cocky but we're a lot more efficient in the way we do tasks and so there would be days where I would finish all my work by Thursday and then Friday I just show up to work because I have to be there but I'm just like refreshing my email a million times hoping that something comes my way. Yeah. Well, I've actually heard that too, that a lot of times like
0: people, especially millennials, like that's why we leave jobs so quickly is because we get bored because we realize like for me, it was like when I realized like, oh, this is the process. This is like how it works. I got bored because I was like, well, I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So like, in the workplace now, if someone, like what you were just saying, like you get all of your work done by Thursday or Wednesday, or let's say you, you know, we're saying you hash it out for four hours in the morning and you come back from your lunch break and you're like, okay, what do I do now? So they're finishing their, their job and the, the, the the bandwidth of their time so efficiently that that's, they're like, what do I do now?
1: Exactly. And then people are, would all be like well couldn't you just ask for more work and I would but then the work they're giving me is like go to the back room and file like organize all these boxes And I'm like is that really a productive use of my time <laughs>
0: yeah well I remember when I worked in retail I spent like a couple of days tying bows on promo boxes like, that was the use of my shit. like, the sh- use of my shift was, like, for eight hours, I would literally just tie bows on boxes. I was, like, uh. are you seriously paying me $14 an hour to tie bows on a box? Like, you could hire an intern and get it for free.
1: Seriously, Do it for free. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> um so that was another reason why, like, retail just, like, didn't work for me. It was like, I'm not tying those <laughs> for hours. I don't care how much
1: you pay me. $30, I'm still not doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting that um, we kind of took a, a turn here with millennials in the
1: workplace. Yeah. And I think that for me, before I started my business, that was a big focus for me was like how to navigate the world of adulthood as a millennial. And so this was certainly like my area of expertise before like pre-yoga, pre-mindset coaching. Mm, in what ways? Pardon? In what ways? Like that was the, fo- the premise behind the whole podcast that I had and my blog and everything was like assisting millennials on how to navigate being an adult
0: yeah especially like in specifically
1: in the workplace yeah in the workplace and just in life in general I feel like a lot of us come out of okay what we call university I guess in the states they call it college um not really knowing like what the heck we're going to do with our lives and so just sort of acting as a source of reassurance and letting other millennials know that like it's okay to not know what the heck you're doing with your life we're all equally just making it up along the way. <laughs> I feel like no one knows what they're doing. Exactly. I'm like, life is just a giant game of improv. So yeah. I don't know any more than you do. <laughs> no, exactly. Like I really don't think, like even Elon Musk doesn't
0: know what he's doing.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's all funny. just like
0: an experiment for him.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was like literally just listening to this. So um, in Canada, we have the CBC, which is like our, um, broadcaster for the country, like radio, TV, stuff like that. So I don't know if it'd be like similar to CNN, maybe. I don't really know what one you have. That's like government funded. Anyway, they were talking about, um, the age of social media and how that has sort of played a role in like how people present themselves online, but essentially how we can all like play this highlight reel and show the best parts of our lives to everyone. But at the end of the day, none of us actually knows what we're doing. <laughs> oh,
0: totally. Totally. We don't, I, I, we have a government funded channel, but I can't remember it. Cause we have different news programs. We have like MSNBC, CNN, Fox.
1: Um, okay. yeah. So like this one of- would be like the equivalent of whatever one is like a public yeah, we
0: have one, but I don't remember, like, the acronym for it. I only watch <laughs> it when there's, like, a presidential address or something, because that's gotcha. the channel that it's on. Um, but, no, it is I, – I believe it's government-funded. Um, but, no, I do think social media – oh, my gosh. It, that's such a, like, hot topic for me, because I could go on and on about how it's all smoke and mirrors. Um. Because it, especially, I actually think, especially in the coaching industry. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like you see all these people that are like, Ooh, I just had another 10 K month, 5 K day, like all this stuff, like making it almost like a competition to see, like, look at how much better my business is doing than yours. Hire me and not them.
0: Right. But the thing that's missing is how many days did it take for them to make a 5K day? How many courses flopped? How many clients said no? Um, I don't think that that is discussed quite enough. I don't know if you know who Angie Lee is. Yes. Okay. I love her because I feel like she's super honest about like how it took her like five years to get to the position that she's in now. Um Exactly. Because- I think that that's such an important conversation to to have with anyone who's entering the online space. Is like, you can make enough money to live rather quickly, but you're not going to be making, like, six-figure months in, like, a super short amount of time, at least in my experience.
1: Exactly. No, and I totally agree. Like, people try to paint this image of like, oh yeah, this year I made whatever, six figures, seven figures. But it's like, like you said, a lot of that wasn't like, you didn't just decide to become an online coach a month ago. You've been working at it as a side hustle, even for five years, six years before you quit your job. And then another three, four, five years on top of that. Yeah.
0: And I actually, I think to circling back to what you were saying, how you were on that the brewery tour and you were like kind of like fuck it I just have to like book it (laughs) and like do it I would almost encourage that for people who want to work on the online space because at that point it's like sink or swim
1: well and And that was always my mentality was like if things don't work out there's always going to be another nine to five job that I can get however Mm -hmm. at this point the only way that I'm going to know if it's going to work is if I go all in Exactly. Like, that's what I was going to say. I think it has to
0: be that like conversation that you have with yourself. Cause I think, it, you know, especially coming from a millennial's perspective, we're taught like, Oh, get a good job, get health and well, least in America, get health insurance, like have a 401k and like start building your future. And there's a sense of stability and security in your job. And I'm not saying that everyone is made to be an online entrepreneur. Because I think that there are people who actually really thrive in the corporate environment, in the nine to five. But if you're looking to like branch out and try something else, you really have to dive in and go all in. Um,
1: Exactly. Because at the end of the If you have
0: kids, if you have kids and like a husband, like totally different conversation. But if you're in a situation where it's like just you and what? Danielle was saying, like, you can go and get another corporate job if it doesn't work out. I think that you
1: have to just dive in and just go for it. Give it a shot. And, like, for me, I know that it was scarier for me to have that thought of, like, this is going to be my life for the next 40 years than to have the thought of, like, never having tried it and never having known whether or not it was going to work out. It was, like, now is the ample time. I have the ability, the opportunity to do it. So... I would rather try it and see where it takes me than six years down the road, still be at my job. Like, hmm, I wonder what would have happened back before I had a husband, before I had kids, and before all these other excuses got in my way. Like, what would have happened if I had have just went for it? So I was like, now is the time. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, really. I think that you have to just, like I was saying, you just have to go for it and like it's a a sink or swim situation. And I think that I learned that from my first corporate job, which I'm not, you know, putting down every single corporate job because I really did learn so much in, in, in those years. But my boss kind of taught me that like resiliency, that tenacity, these like inherent or intrinsic qualities about myself that I didn't really know that I had. And because I was like, oh, I've already been in like these really shitty situations at my at my job. And I know that I can like, I have the work ethic and I have all of these skills. Like I know, now I can transfer, like they became transferable skills to me in, in the business sense of like starting my own
1: thing. A hundred percent. And I agree with what you said. Like I know a ton of people who work nine to five jobs and absolutely love it and are thriving in those positions. And if that's you, like the power to you. But as long as as you are living true to what you feel is your purpose and you wake up every day excited to either go to your own business that you started yourself or go to your nine to five job, like kudos to you for listening to your intuition and knowing that like you are on the right path and where you were intended to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would never put anyone down for, for continuing to work in their nine to five jobs because some people really do like them. Like they crave that structure, that structure. And like, that's the type of environment that they
1: do really well in. Um, and there are nine to five jobs that don't suck. Like I know people that work at fun companies that give you flexibility and freedom. And like, that's great. That just wasn't my reality.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I, that's the thing too, is like, I, I think even in the beginning stages of my business, like I had moments where I was like, this is so hard. (laughs) Like it would be so much easier for me to just find a nine to five, go back to a nine to five job. And it would, that would just be the easier and it would make more sense. And you know, all of this could go away and I could like walk away. But I think that I was just driven by the curiosity, kind of like what you were saying. Like I didn't want to wake up in six years and be like, oh, what if I would have just kept going? Like what if I just like sent one more email or posted like one more thing or like reached out to one more person? Like what if I just kept going? Um, That was kind of the, I don't want to say plagued me, but like it definitely was that like curiosity factor that kept me going.
1: Yeah, which I think is so important that you have the self-awareness to be able to listen to that. Like I feel like so many of us Go through life knowing that we have this like inkling that something isn't right, but we just ignore it and pretend that it's not there. So having the ability to recognize, like, okay, I'm not happy with my current situation and something needs to give. So what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I see that I see that a lot. I think
0: especially with, I mean, the, the type of coaching that that I do is I kind of like fill that gap. Like someone has an idea or they have a vision but they don't know how to actually execute it. And so yeah, I like... And that's where so many people struggle. Is yeah. like that piece of clarity. Exactly. Like, is like, well, how do I actually make it a reality? Like, for me, that's always been the easy thing. Like, I'm like, oh, I, I, I get it. Like, I can actually, like, build build it out. Like... And really like, so that's like kind of where I realize, like that's my strength in coaching is like actually helping people execute these things because a lot of the time they just get caught up in like the dream or the fantasy and they don't know how
1: to move the project forward. What does this actually look like in a practical sense?
0: Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people think that it's so out of reach for
1: them. And I'm like, it's not, it's really, really not. And that's the other thing that so many people don't realize is like, you get to decide if this, your job or your current situation isn't what you want, you get to decide that you could make it something different than what it is.
0: I'm curious. I agree with you with everything you just said, by the way, but I'm curious. Did you have any fears around telling your friends or your family about quitting your job and like going to Portugal and doing your... Oh my
1: God. Yes. Like, so in my situation where I was working, I actually worked like in the same place that my dad worked. And so there was always this, like every day it was like, Oh, banked another eight hours of pensionable time. Like these things that we would say to each other and just like this pressure to enjoy my time there because like, it's a privilege to have this stable and secure job. And so for me having to like tell him like, yeah, I'm going to quit my job. I'm like, hopefully things work out was like absolutely terrifying. And I think that was part of the reason, not just him specifically, but like, like you said, like friends, family, everyone around me, I've always been this like super ambitious, like always has my shit together kind of girl. And so I think for me, my ego was a big part of like what are people going to think of me if it looks like I don't know what I'm doing with my life? And so that was hundred percent, a big fear factor in terms of like me actually committing to leaving my job was like, what are people going to say?
0: Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I feel like that's for me, that was like 50% of the fear. <laughs> yeah, it was like one, it was like, how am I going to survive? And then two is what was, what were people going to say? And I don't know about you, but you kind of like, as you get going, you really like let go of that fear.
1: Yeah. Because I think once you finally commit to the decision, you are basically in this mindset of like, well, I already decided that this is what I'm doing. So a, it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks and b, like, what's going to happen is what's going to (laughs) happen.
0: Right. Right. Like there's, yeah. I mean, I think like failure is so subjective too. Or is that objective, subjective, objective?
1: I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh but I yeah, I mean I think whatever um like it's all on how you
1: perceive it essentially. Mm -hmm.
0: So how did you like navigate those conversations? Like did people have an adverse reaction or
1: No, and so that was like I think that all too often we tend to build fears up in our mind to be like bigger than they actually are in reality. Yes. And so it was so funny because it was the same as like literally side note this story. So The day I went in and handed my notice into my boss that I was going to be leaving, her response, I was like so scared to do it. I put it off for like two or three days and her response was, well, I actually thought this was going to happen months ago. So I'm glad you lasted as long as you did. And so like for that, to me, that like solidified the fact that we just build fears up in our minds so much bigger than they need to be. And like, honestly, nothing is ever as bad as we tend to think it's going to turn out
0: yeah well, it's just a defense mechanism, like I have like fake conversations in my head, like yeah <laughs> whatever taught- and i sorry, go ahead. Like when I'm like, when I went to like tell my family what I was doing, I was like, oh, my grandma's going to say this. My aunt's going to say that, like so-and-so is going to say this. And that, and it was just like all these like fake, like I was like, okay, what would be my rebuttal to that? Like, how would I actually say, like, what would I say back to that? Like, how am I going to, it was such a defense mechanism. Like it would not, and when I went to tell them, like none of those fears actually came to fruition
1: a hundred percent. And I think that, I feel like we talked about this in our prior conversation where like, um, fear is a hundred percent an evolutionary response. And like thousands of years ago, we woke up every day, afraid that like our family was going to get eaten by predators. Mm -hmm. And so obviously we don't have those same fears now, but like fear itself still exists as a source of like wasting our energy and comprising like the inability to just like function normally. We just like like you said, build up these scenarios of like, this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then we get stuck in this place where we're just so scared to do anything new, because we don't know what the outcome is going to be that we just don't do anything. Right. I was was just going to say,
0: like, you have to, you really have to move past the fear. Because if you like operate from a place of fear, like nothing in your business is going to go right. Especially like when you're trying to pitch to clients or you're trying to sell that like scarcity energy is so transparent.
1: Exactly. And just the, the idea that well, I'm not going to reach out to this person because I know it's not going to work out. Well, then you're already shooting yourself in the foot right there by telling yourself that that's not a possibility because like as cliche as it sounds, you never know unless you try.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to do super uncomfortable things and like talk to people, like reach out to people who have way bigger audiences than I do, or like make way more money than I do, or have been doing this way longer than I have and like that always that still comes up for me like when I have to email them or talk to them and like pitch my own stuff where I'm like oh like I haven't been doing this as long as them or whatever the situation is but I like learn to recognize the fear and be like it's just a fear it's not reality
1: exactly and so that's where it all comes into like being able to draw the line of what is real and what isn't
0: (laughs) Yeah, I use this, this analogy, but when I was in Europe, I went to um, Ibiza, which is an island off the coast of Spain. It's like known for crazy parties, Um, like Paris Hilton DJs there in the summers or something like bougie like that. Um, But it's actually a very, very beautiful island and it's like, there's beautiful cliffs and I one day went off by myself and there was this castle and behind the castle were these like. like these beautiful cliffs that people were like jumping off of and I was by myself but I like there was like a group of people that were like jumping off the cliffs and like I went up and started talking and they were like oh you should just go like just go and jump and I was like okay yeah like sure and so I just went and did it I didn't even really like think twice like there wasn't any hesitation and like as I was like I was like oh this felt good but then as I was coming back up the cliff. And I realized, like, oh, I have to do this again. And as I was, like, walking up the, the cliff, like, I was just, like, overcome with fear. I was, like, that was so, like, that was crazy. Like, what if I hit my head? What if I broke a bone? What if there was, like, a sea urchin? <laughs> or, like, yeah. you just start, like, coming up with, like, all of these super irrational fears of, like, what if, what if, what if? And so when I finally got back up to the top to go again, I was, like, paralyzed by fear. Because I had like built up this whole situation in my head of like all of these possibilities of what could happen that it like was so difficult for me to like to jump off that cliff again. And then I realized I was like, oh, it's because I like had this like time to really think about it. And I, so I think that the more that you think about what you're going to do before you actually do it, it actually like the fear like takes root and like that's when it really has its hold
1: on you. Does that make sense absolutely and I think that it's so funny because I would say that like 90% of the time the fears we have are totally irrational because like you said you like didn't put any thought into it went ahead and just did it but then the minute that you had a chance to think about what you were doing all of a sudden these fears started popping up which just proves that like you already did it like there is no reason to be afraid and yet our minds play this game on us where it's like we need to be scared red flag red flag mm-hmm. but like unless you're gonna go skydiving where you potentially actually could die like what are you afraid of
0: <laughs> well I mean you could like the
1: thing is is like we
0: could die at any like any time any like you got a brain aneurysm like you could be have an allergic reaction like some from something you've ate a thousand times and today's the day that your body's like no, nope. nope. <laughs> now we're allergic to shellfish or
1: whatever the situation
0: is. Like, like You it, literally
1: don't know.
0: <laughs> it, exactly. Like I mean, God, like I hope none of that happens to anyone listening. Um, but I'm not manifesting that either, but <laughs> I'm just saying like that's just kind of like exactly what you were saying. Like our brain begins to to play tricks on
1: on us. Yeah, and then we get stuck in these situations, in these jobs we don't like, in relationships that aren't serving us well, all because we're too afraid to change something. Meanwhile, we don't even know like what that could potentially look like.
0: Yes, yeah, and to kind of support my theory of making decisions, um, Malcolm Gladwell actually wrote an entire book on this. I think it's called Blink. But it's about, like, the difference between making decisions of, of, like, a decision that you take seconds to make versus in a decision that you take weeks or hours or months to make. You actually – the decision that you make quickly is actually the better
1: decision. Like, he does a much better – am I making sense? No, I think that totally makes sense. I think even back to decisions – I've made where someone's asked me something and then initially I'll be like, yeah, I'm into it. And then once I have time to think about it, I like back out. And then when the time actually comes, I regret having like turned the situ like the, um, opportunity down. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he did like a whole book and there's like statistics of
0: like percentages and things like that. I don't remember them. For you know, math. <laughs> yeah. math stuff, like actual, like physical, tangible evidence um, that I don't remember, but I just remember that philosophy of, you know, usually the decision that you make, it seems impulsive, but he like, there's actually like scientific things of like, our bodies know, like based on like people's, like, um, like if someone asks you for a coffee or something and you're like on a date and you don't know if you want to go, and, but like your initial reaction is yes, but then you later think of it to, and back out. Usually the reason why you said yes was because of like the demeanor in someone's like facial expressions or their body language. It's actually like your brain registering those signals as safe.
1: Yeah. And I think like, personally, I've done a lot more in-depth research into like the spiritual side of things and like law of attraction intuition and stuff like that and that's always the key thing is like your intuition always knows initially what you feel about or how you feel about something it's your mind and your ego that tend to take over and stop you from following through with that so much like you said um we might someone might ask us if we want to go for coffee and our immediate reaction our intuition is telling us yes But then our logical brain takes over and is like, eh, no, not for me, like, and gives us reason X, Y, Z as to why we shouldn't do it.
0: Yeah. It Yeah. And again, you have to view that as like a defense mechanism. Like your body and your brain is trying to protect
1: you. Yes. Just a lot of the times it's like, what exactly is it protecting us from?
0: Right. Well, don't be getting into vans with like strangers. Like that's a right? for or sure no. <laughs>
1: like, here, for everyone listening, these are like the two questions you need to ask yourself when you're afraid of a situation. Um, a, what is the best thing, best and worst thing that could happen? So if I do this, what's the best thing that's going to happen? And what's the like potential worst that could happen? And B, next question is, will I survive whatever it is? <laughs> simple as that
0: and the answer is usually you will survive <laughs>
1: unless you're getting into a van with a stranger exactly and then in that case like the worst thing that would happen is like you're gonna get murdered so maybe <laughs> <you> no <know>, but <laughs> it's gonna be a
0: hard no for me even if he offers you hannah montana tickets
1: you right? <laughs> just say just no, say no. <laughs> Well, if anyone can take anything away from today, that's what you need to know. Yeah.
0: No, no candy, no Hannah Montana tickets, no creepy vans. <laughs> Got it. So you, to end this, I'm glad we're ending it on that note. Um, so tell everyone about the
1: course that you have coming out. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, so I am launching a five week Program starting in January. So it's starting January 1st, which I know is a Tuesday, but it's close enough to a Monday. So deal with it, people. And essentially, it is a five week transformational program for those of you who are maybe in a position right now where you are full of fear. You want to make a change in your life, but you're not really sure what direction that looks like or how that's going to come to fruition in your life. This is hundred percent designed for those people because I was in your situation. I know you're feeling trapped in your reality and you want to make a big change. And so I am here to help you shift that mentality into a new perspective, a new place and a new area of transformation. So like I said, the program is called shift 2019 um, and I'm offering a discount to listeners of this podcast Honestly, I can't remember what I made the coupon code, so we're going to put that in the description of this episode, (laughs) and you will save $50 off your enrollment fee when you register. So I'll also drop the link for where people can apply, and I cannot wait to read through the applications. It's going to be an amazing group of women, and I am so, so, so excited. Same. So where can people find you on the internet? Awesome. So I am most frequently on Instagram. It's at lifestyle by design studio. That's the name of my business. Um, if you search my name, Danielle Ryan, I should come up there as well. Um, and then I am also on Facebook, facebook.com slash lifestyle by design studio.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for being here and the the whole podcast outline, like totally took a a turn but I actually think that it turned out really really well so I'm really glad that we had this conversation
1: yes me as well um I was like couldn't really remember what we had talked about but then once we started going I was like this was definitely not it but I'm totally into it and I think that people will relate to this a lot more so I'm super excited and so thankful that you had me on here today